Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello there and welcome, 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 welcome to the program. Uh, the last of this shortened week, work week for us. Um, but uh, we'll try to pack as much as we can into it. Uh, City Paper's Best Of uh, has just come out, and I was <laughs> I was perusing it before we began the program, and uh, I don't know who the hell are our readers is what I want to know. Who are these people? They say the best. Uh, the best Pittsburgh poet is Billy Nardozzi. Actually, I guess he has he transitioned, so it is Rachel Nardozzi. I don't know, but uh, you know, Billy Nardozzi was a and has been, although I haven't seen him as much lately. A uh, you know a regular on the Pittsburgh Post Gazette's uh, celebrations page, where people pay to post their weddings and their fiftieth anniversaries and stuff like that and there was always Billy and his mullet and uh, the latest poem he'd written and uh, I used to make fun of his poems <laughs> I because well let's just say that you know Wordsworth and Coleridge aren't like uh, sweating in their graves, you know, that Billy might somehow supersede them in uh, poetry uh, history. But um, Billy undid me uh, one day when I opened up the Post-Gazette, and there he was again in the celebrations, and that picture, and this time the poem was about me. <laughs> oh dear. And it was so sweet. And uh after I've been trashing them for like decades. I mean, it was such a sweet poem. And I thought this is just a brilliant tactic. I mean, he shut me up. He finally shut me up and embarrassed me made me look like a horrible person. So anyway, so he's been voted the best poet. Well, what the hell? I say, yeah, I give it to him. But you know, there are a lot of like serious poets <laughs> toiling unrecognized in uh, in Pittsburgh. And I mean, I I just I I just don't know. People who vote in this, I I don't think they get out enough. I'm sorry because uh what was it? It wasn't that many years ago that I swear best Italian restaurant, Olive Garden, came in number one. I swear. I don't think I'm misremembering that. And the minute I saw that was when I said, well, <laughs> I mean, it's anyone can vote. You know, you just, I guess you, this is one of those things where you could stuff the ballot box. But, uh, yeah, I was looking through here, and I don't know. I don't know half of what's even in here. I don't even understand half the categories. Uh, best gluten-free bakery. Uh, and here again, this is not unlike Olive Garden to me. Um, 
that, that they're saying the best Mexican restaurant is Mad Mex? I got to tell you, no, it isn't. That's Americans' idea of what a Mexican restaurant is. It is not the best Mexican restaurant. The best Mex Mexican restaurant actually is right across the street from where I sit. It's a little dive called uh, Bea's Tacos. And it's the real deal. All right. Well, you know, this is all opinion. That's all it is. That's, uh, that's all it is. But yeah, Billy got a whole special section here, and and he's seen pensively, uh, pensively uh, playing his guitar, and uh, still got the hairdo, but uh, but it doesn't say Billy Nardozzi, it says Rachel. So I know all of a sudden Billy Rachel started looking like uh, he, he started wearing earrings and then, you know, the picture started changing a little bit. Great local character in a time when local characters are just not what they used to be. You know, part of what gives a city some flavor. Uh, people who march to a different drummer. They're fearless people, people who are themselves. And... Uh, and suffer, you know, the slings and arrows of uh, people like Lynn Cullen yapping about him on her show, and then turn around and take Cullen down like that with the sweetest little piece of doggerel <laughs> about me. I mean, it's so sweet. If I were to think of a word uh, that uh, characterizes Nardozzi's uh, poetry, it's it's sweet. It's sweet. All right. Well, so there were these elections last night. Yeah, mixed reviews. Um, the the most stunning uh, result to me. Uh, was the uh, referendum in Missouri, uh, which is as red a state as it can be. And they, the citizens there, overturned through via referendum um, the, the state's right to work law, which is, of course, the state's kill the unions law. And I, I'm just stunned that those conservative voters did that. You know, there's a lot of hand-wringing going on among people who natter about such stuff, about the fact that the unemployment rate is so low and, you know, the jobs numbers are, you know, really looking good and there's employers are looking for workers and blah, blah, blah. And then somewhere in all the euphoria, the people who yap about this stuff all of a sudden say, but, you know, we do have to admit that uh, wage growth is lagging. <laughs> um, oh, big shock. So the economy's going gangbusters. The, the folks who own everything are making money hand over fist, and the people who do the work are... 
getting crumbs still. Um, you know, I think of like preschoolers uh, being taught about sharing, you know, toddlers being taught about you have to share. And and it's hard for them because I guess by nature we, we really just want to <laughs> get as much stuff as we can, right? But some people by nature, you can see in little kids, some people by nature are. They don't have to be told. They're just kind. Er. But uh, the way capitalism works, and I mean you'd be crazy if you didn't know this because if you're alive and functioning, you see how it works. You see how it works on paper. You know, everybody's supposed to, oh, if lifting all the boats, that kind of stuff. Oh, if we're making money, if everything's good, then, of course, the workers will get paid more. Everybody's going to... And the workers ain't getting shit. Excuse my French. And everybody's wondering why... I mean, I've seen these discussions where people say, well, really, nobody? It's a puzzle. Nobody can quite figure out why. And I'm thinking, what do you mean nobody can figure out why, you idiots? It's simple. It's greed. Hello? Hello? It's greed. It's failure to share the gains of the workers' labor. The guys in suits are pocketing it all. And, the, and they always would have. The only way they started begrudgingly giving the people who produce the products and services that make them wealthy, the only way they ever started to share, give people their due, was when labor unions <laughs> were organized. Because they wouldn't do it unless there was a gun to their heads. And so workers, this is this you know great period of time where workers were finally see that if they get themselves together, they can produce a powerful force that the capitalists have to reckon with, and they'll ha and they'll be able to get things that they think uh, are reasonable, like uh, you know overtime pay. There's no capitalist ever decide, hey, I have a good idea. If somebody's working over eight hours, let's give them half again as much for their hard work. Oh, yeah, right, no. That was an idea that came from labor unions, and then people fought to get it. Forty hours a week, I think that's sufficient, don't you? Yeah, well, that's not the way it was until labor unions. Paid vacation, anything that everybody, that all these anti-union types take for granted, were gotten because of unions. And all of a sudden, workers in this stagnation of decades, and people, oh, I can't really figure it out. I mean, by all indicators, uh, we should be, uh, the workers should be in the driver's seat right now with all these jobs out there and employers looking for workers, uh, having to compete for workers. Well, you would think that, you know, no. So 26 states in this country now have right-to-work laws, which pretty much kills unions. It kills them. 
I mean, here again, the right wing is so incredible at branding things. The legislation that kills workers' power is called right-to-work law. Yeah, okay, you got the right to work, and you got the, work, the, the right to starve with whatever we decide to give you for it. So anyway, just wanted to say that was the best thing. I'm disappointed, of course, that it appears the Republicans have eked out a, uh, a win in Ohio 12th Congressional District, which is, takes in part of Columbus, but mostly rural areas around it. Um, the Republicans got, what, a few thousand vote lead or close to a 2,000 vote lead. Um, odds are that'll, that'll stand, I would think. Still, the pundits are telling us there's no way this should have been close, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, right, but, you know, I'd rather win. There's another interesting race there over in Kansas, uh, a Republican uh, primary for uh, the g governorship. And um, the guy who is now in the lead by 500 votes is just a despicable human being, uh, Chris Kobach. He's the wonderful guy that Trump uh, appointed to head the Voter Fraud Commission, which wasted umpteen millions of dollars trying to find the supposed three million people who Trump said voted illegally uh, for Hillary Clinton, <laughs> thus denying him what, of course, had been his victory, although uh, the only reason is because these three million votes she had, they came uh, from fraudulence. Um, that committee was forced to essentially disband. <laughs> it fell apart of uh, its own, you know, ludicrousness uh, since there was no uh, voter fraud and uh, nothing to, but Kobach was, oh, he was all in. Uh my understanding is that the Democrats want Kovach to win this primary because they see him as, uh, as one of the Republicans they'd love to run a Democrat against and take that, uh, take that uh, gubernatorial seat in Kansas, which is, as again, we have noted, red. So, I don't know. We'll see. All this stuff's going to happen. Meanwhile... Uh, I mean, it would be so stunning if the Democrats do not take back the House of Representatives uh, that it would be akin to waking up and finding Donald Trump had won the election. Um, and I don't know that I could survive that. But uh, Frank Bruni uh, is out today saying, hey guys, Democrats, woo! Why aren't we daring to hope that we could uh, take the Senate as well? Well, I mean, we all know why we're not daring to hope that. I mean, uh, <laughs> it would be unbelievable since, uh, I know, we only have to pick up two seats. That's it, two seats. But here's the problem. Ten of the Democratic Senate senators who are running for re-election are in states that voted for Donald Trump. Ten! 
And it is generally thought that some of them are not going to be able to retain their seats. So it looks like Democrats will be losing some seats that they had prior to uh, the Trump takeover of the Republican Party. Uh, so of those 10 that are in these red states, they actually have to, they have to win. <laughs> Maybe two of them at most could lose, uh, and we could still take the Senate. But that's, I mean, so you have to have minimally eight Democratic incumbents in red states win in November. People are saying that's a real heavy lift. Well, we can pretty much suppose that one of them that will prevail is right here in Pennsylvania, and that would be our Senator Bob Casey. Um, everybody says he's doing very well running against uh, Lou Barletta, a Trumpian and an anti-immigrant fervent. I don't even know if that's a word. I mean, a noun. Um, but generally, Pennsylvania, the Democrats supposed to hang in in a red state. Michigan, which turned red, the Democrat there, is that Debbie Stabenow? Uh, she should uh, prevail. Wisconsin, I don't know. I'm hearing very different things about this. That is the seat held by, uh, I think, the only openly gay senator. Is that true? Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin. Uh, she's up for re-election. And <sighs> Bruni seems to think she's uh, pretty safe. I don't. I don't know about that. I mean, I get... I get stuff from Wisconsin people who are, you know, and people who are running. And, well, granted, they always make it seem very dire unless you give them money, but I, I don't know. I'm worried about that one. Um, and then there's uh, next door in Ohio, and that would be Sherrod Brown, I believe, is up, right? So who the hell knows? I don't know. But then you got Heidi Heidekamp in North Dakota, I mean, some of these states are redder than others. And you got what's-his-name in Montana, Tester. These are very vulnerable people, although Heidi Heidekamp and John Tester are very much liked in these states of theirs. And these states were good and red uh, even before they, they voted these two Democrats uh, in. So who knows? And then there's, uh, oh, God, McCaskill in Missouri. But look at that Missouri right-to-work vote. Who knows? Could be. And then there's Manchin in West Virginia. Who knows? Could be. But all of these people who I'm thinking about here have the potential of holding on. We could lose, as I said, one maybe two, and still take the Senate. So why do we think we can't? It, granted, the numbers show it would be really something, but it's doable. It is not 
out of the realm of possibility. It is not out of the realm of possibility that even in Texas, Ted Cruz could go down. <laughs> really? Because there is a very charismatic, well-funded Democrat running against him, Beto O'Rourke. Probably seen him around. He could do it. So, just saying, and, and Bruni points it out, um, the odds aren't great, he says, but they keep looking a little bit better, and I just think, you know, we gotta go. Can you imagine? I'll tell you, if, if we took the Senate and the House, my God, we could really do a job. For one thing, if we chose to, I would imagine we could impeach and convict Donald Trump and remove him from office. And I add, if we want to, because that would then give us a President Pence, who is uh, as creepy a person as uh, ever would have hold the, held the office, perhaps. just gives me, my, makes my blood run cold. Um, but anyway, so we need two seats. Nevada is looking maybe possible, although, you know, they, th that's having to knock off a Republican incumbent in a red state. But there's a woman running there, and she's uh, looking pretty good. And the same for Arizona, um, where, remember, Jeff Flake finked out and refused to run. There are these openings. I'm just saying. I'd be saying that with more certainty if, in fact, the Ohio race had 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 gone uh, in a different direction. Apparently, uh, we have a caller. Hello, caller. Hello, Lynn. Yes. How you doing? I'm fine. Do you do you ever listen? Maybe you never did. Uh, you've heard of Richard Wolf? Rick Wilson? Richard Wolf. Oh, Richard. Richard yeah, Wolf. economist? No. Richard Wolf? Yeah, no. He's a socialist columnist. Uh huh. I don't know how. Yeah. But he says, and I've heard this, this is not the first time I've heard this, he says those numbers are phony. Those, those unemployment numbers, the way they do it, they call, and if you say you're working, they don't say, they put it down as there's a new job, and it's basically just a phony process they do and if they don't know if it's part-time full-time or for that day he said it's not a very reliable system well i have argued too that the jobs it doesn't you know the jobs that we're creating he says uh, it's about 15 percent and probably for blacks 20 so i wondered that too about that, that well number. okay i don't pretend to know um how these I, I numbers get crunched it. anyway he says Every time the Demo Republicans or Democrats get in, he says, well, the Republicans, okay, tax cuts for the rich. That's going to create jobs. It doesn't work. Then the Democrats get back in, and they decide something. And it really doesn't create good-paying jobs. He said the problem is, is it's the capitalist system, which we talked about before, that doesn't work. It, it's every four to seven years, he said, there's a recession. He said because of the capitalist system. 
and he, he's not saying go completely socialist. <laughs> he's saying he talks about co-ops where workers are they own the businesses they yeah. give themselves you know yeah not corporations giving you raises but people that actually work in the plants and different things he has a lot of good ideas but we're sold on this capitalism which does not work and it's been proven many times and that's the biggest problem of well life. the thing about capitalism is it works for some folks very very well right and and that seems to have been enough and they've sold everybody else on the fact that they can get into the winning side just work hard keep your nose to the grindstone and uh right. man i don't know it's no it's a talk about a rigged system it's pretty rigged and and it's right now pretty unfettered capitalism the worst kind because when republicans come in they do not want any regulation so there you go but i hear you and thank you very Yesterday, much yeah what you were talking about one other thing that CEO from, I don't know what company it was, that re is going to retire, and that's all nice. She's going to spend time with her mother. And you said she has, they wrote, a strong work ethic, works 20 hours a day. Well, let me tell you something. I worked on, I worked on the barges, and we, you can't, nobody can work possibly 20 hours a day for any length of time. It's not physically or mentally possible. So that is a line of bullshit that I've been hearing for years. If you're sitting on your ass, they consider being in meetings, having dinner with clients, working. Putting in time and actually working are two different things, whether you're a secretary or a worker, whatever it is. That bullshit line, I'm so sick of hearing that strong worth of ethics, it's bullshit. Well, apparently you do not. And other people. All right, okay. You do What's not that? have enough respect for white-collar work, apparently. Sitting around at a desk it's not thinking. Because I'm saying anybody, even job, but to, to sit there and say you could work 20 hours a day. Well, I agree. 20 hours of a day, seven days a week is bullshit. You're doing something. Right, I agree. Well, you could be snorting coke. So I don't, that's why, and then with they, these people that sit on their asses, now yeah. a lot of them, some of them do work, they expect the people that actually do the work to work like them and not pay them. So right. that's where I lose <laughs> respect for those bastards. All the way around. Okay, you. Why don't you get an opinion okay. someday? Okay. Goodbye. 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 Bye. Uh, oh, dang it. A thought occurred to me while he was doing his thing, and now it disappeared. What was he talking about? What was he talking about? Uh, I can't think. Damn it. Anyway. Where he did that? I swear I had... Damn, it'll come back. I got to get to the point where if a thought comes in, just write it down immediately. Write it down, Colin, because otherwise it just goes and disappears. Oh, it's right on the, it's just, it's just teasing me right now. It's just flitting around, you know, going into curves and fissures in my gray matter and peeking out saying, ha, and then back under. And I've just got, it, it just, it's driving me crazy. Shit. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't understand. I mean, well, that's not. I don't understand people a lot. What motivates them? I try so hard. People are fascinating, uh, maddening, <laughs> incredible, terrifying. Pick your adjective. They'll, they'll all, they'll all work. 
but you know you read about what people do and what excites them and what incites them and what what gets them out of their chairs and saying you know what I'm going to do that and some of what animates people just makes me scratch my head I came upon two of these uh, examples in the last few days and so uh, I'm just going to throw this this little thought out doesn't it's not a big thought but why do people decide to do something like well I'll take this one guy this guy 22 years old his name is Ed Ed at the age of 22 decided that he was going to ride his unicycle around the world. Now, I, I mean, if you have a unicycle and you like riding it, that'd be one thing. Even that would set you apart, because not a lot of people have unicycles. And they're very hard to learn how to do. I have had friends who are very athletic people who have struggled. It's, it's, it, apparently, it's just it, it's this one aha moment where you get, where you get it, and then you're, you're off and rolling. So this 22-year-old kid in the south of England says, you know, I think I'm going to, I'm just going to roll right out of, the drive down the driveway here and I'm going to turn east and I, I'm I'm going across the world they never mention in these little articles how you unicycle across the Pacific Ocean but I I I mean there must be you have to obviously you don't but um, so this kid did it he's 25 years old now Took him three years, 21,000 miles on a unicycle. And he didn't have support. It's not like he had, you know, uh, he had a good woman uh, following him in a van with, uh, so he could get a good night's sleep uh, when he chose to and with all the provisions he needed. No, he went totally by himself carrying everything he needed in a backpack on his back. I and 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 it was you know he made he made money for charity. He made $400,000 for some charity that puts uh, school supplies uh, gets school supplies for children uh poor children around the world. Well, he did a hell of a good thing here, but my I just don't understand the moment. Not the moment when you get the idea. I think I'll drive a unicycle around them, but the moment you actually do it. And then that you, I mean, I'm the type, I was the kid in the back seat, 10 minutes into the trip. Aren't we there yet? I mean, I am, I would constantly be calculating, you know, like, all right. Only 21,572 miles to go, and then I wouldn't be able to get out of bed. Of course, I don't even think this guy had beds. Jeez. 
And let's not even think about the danger he might have. Uh, there was a horrific story I read in some newspaper today about two lovely young people who quit their jobs and decided to pretty much, I think they were just hiking all around the world and they were on day 300 something or other and they'd had amazing experiences. And I don't know, they're in one of those stand countries like Turkestan or Kazakhstan, I don't know what. And, you know, some guys affiliated with ISIS just rode them down in a truck, just flattened them on the street, and put it in reverse and flattened them a little more. Okay, then the third one. Okay, this, this, I, the unicycle, I understand more than I understand this one. There are people in this country who uh, have been trying to break this record. There's only uh, about 20, 24 people in the world who have managed to do this thing, and people keep trying. Thousands uh, fail constantly. And here's the thing. And I myself would not spend one second trying to figure out how to win this. But people do. It is to, in one day, ride all 49 rides in the Walt Disney World Hollywood Studios Park. Oh, that sounds easy, huh? It ain't. It's almost impossible because most people fail miserably, miserably. And people actually, I mean, there's this article here in the Wall Street Journal about how people map out every step they'll take, where you start, where you go from this one to that one, the best times to hit this thing. The, um, I, I mean, you run from, from thing to thing. And... Why would you do that? I'm just asking. Because almost invariably you are going to fail. So I guess you do it because you, you think you're going to be the one who's going to. But I mean, that kind of energy and focus and single-mindedness towards something that is so stupid <laughs> I just, I mean, I'm thinking, hey, take all that energy and that, you know, all the work you're putting into it, physical, mental, psychological, and do something like a little more, uh, you know, I don't know. That's what I don't get. That's what I just don't get that. Something that's worth more than bragging rights. Like, I mean, you know, Ed. I mean, Ed in the unicycle. He, he at least, you know, raised $400,000 that would help uh, poor children around the globe. That's good. That is really good. Roger writes, I've been in construction for over 30 years. Based on your last caller's assertion, I sit on my ass all day, 
I spend a lot of time with pipe fitters and foremen when they come to the office because he's in construction on the design and project management end. Uh, when they come in the office to review projects, after about 30 minutes, they usually comment on how they'd go crazy if they had to spend so much time in an office. Crazy. The price I pay to sit on my ass creates a market for therapists. Yeah, it, it definitely does. Uh, so the ACLU is suing Jeff Sessions. I don't know if you saw that, heard that. The ACLU is uh, yesterday announced that they would, uh, they're suing the Department of Justice and uh, specifically the Attorney General uh, because uh, he has made changes to the asylum uh, rules in the country, which pretty much makes it absolutely impossible for anybody to uh, rise to Jeff Sessions' level of needing asylum. And uh, this, you'll recall, Jeff Sessions is the guy who quite happily uh, talked about, you come here to our country, we're going to take your children. I mean, so this is a guy who's willing to do, to, he, he has no, no heart, no ear uh, for suffering, for people who are suffering, and suffering in a way, by the way, that international law says that they have a right to run for their lives and the right to be taken in. That's what asylum is. And since he put, he sent out this memo to the people who are the first uh, people who do the initial interview. Somebody makes it in here and they say, I'm here because I will, people trying to kill me, I, I ha I'm running with my child for our lives. And Session's memo went to the people that do that first interview. And he uh, flat out uh, said to them uh, that all of the policies that had been in place that, con that defined what a credible fear of harm is tossed all that out so that these poor people who are running from the very gang that, uh, you know, the same kind of gang that Trump is always talking about, this, what, MP13 or whatever the hell it is, these gangs in El Salvador, Guatemala, uh, Nicaragua, who terrorize, terrorize cities, villages, towns, populations, and they kill. You either do what they're telling you to do, or they kill you, or maybe they kill your kid, because that works too. And who the hell wouldn't grab anything you could, grab your children, and run like hell? And we, once those poor souls get to us, we say, no, we're sending you right back. And you hear over and over again that they say, you're sending me to my death. Despite international laws that guarantee the right of persecuted people to seek sanctuary in other countries, 
your United States of America under Trump and Jeff Sessions has decided to, well, adjust the definition of who qualifies for asylum. And they have decided that anyone fleeing gang brutality, gang violence, horrific domestic abuse doesn't fit the bill. So the ACLU is looking at it and talking to the people who try to help these people, and they're saying, we have never seen such a high level of denials. It's just getting flat out impossible to, for anybody to be given the green light. So yesterday, the American Civil Liberties Union filed a lawsuit in federal court challenging these new policies that Sessions put in place because it says it violates so many laws and effectively closes, just slams the door to any asylum seeker and for people desperate to get away from the brutality of the gang violence in parts of Central America especially. Okay, have you joined the ACLU yet? Because I've, you know, I'm telling people, if you think you're on, uh, uh, you're doing what you can, I keep saying we all got to do more than we've ever done. One of the easy things you can do is go to the ACLU website and sign up as a member. It's cheap. They don't ask a lot. I can't even remember what it is. It could be as cheap as 10 bucks. Become a card-carrying member. And even more so, become active with it. The ACLU functions mostly on volunteer power and on getting money. And the money goes so we can hire more and more and more and more attorneys, investigators, so that we can continue to bring this lawless Trump administration to court. And the ACLU has like won so many suits since Trump got into office. They have been there from day one. They're not a deep-pocketed organization. They survive on our contributions. Contribute. This is the front line of the resistance. You don't get more front line. And that brings me to the obituary of the day, which is a sad one. I never heard of this woman, Amy Messelson, 46 years old. And she took her own life. This was a woman of extraordinary intelligence and heart, quite clearly. The intelligence is clear just from, you know, her schooling, how she got a master's degree from Harvard in philosophy, and then she went over to Yale and got a law degree. And then instead of making a lot of money, she just jumped right in 
to work as a public defender. I'm not making money. She wanted always to help people who had nothing. And often by nothing, no hope. In the obituary, they describe what she did for one teenage African immigrant. A guy named um, Amadou Lee. Amadou Lee was brought to this country by his mother from Senegal in West Africa. And uh, four years later, his mother disappeared, abandoned him. And so here's a kid, and whatever visa he had, it ran out. He was an illegal alien, although after DACA, the dreamer, he's clearly a dreamer, brought by his family, his mother. And, but he was a kid without a country. He pretty much had grown up here. Uh, he had been abandoned by his mom in 2001 when he was a child. It's not clear from this obit who took him in. But in 2006, he was part of a robot-building high school team competition and his school East Harlem High staged a mind-blowing upset victory in the competition held in New York and they were then allowed to go on to the national competition which was in Atlanta he couldn't go because he couldn't get on a plane because he couldn't get past the TSA and so one thing led to another and the next thing he is facing deportation again back to a country he doesn't even know and he threw himself on the mercy of you know these do-gooder attorneys and found himself in the hands of Amy Messelson. And she saved him. I won't go into the whole story, but she saved him. And this kid is now, he graduated from college. And he lives now in California. He's pursuing an acting career. He's moved on with his life. And he's not deported. The woman who saved him, Amy Messelson, struggled with anxiety and depression all of her life. And despite that, the suffering with constant anxiety and depression, she traveled to Greece two years ago. You remember the stories about all those poor mostly Africans and um, Middle Eastern or Middle A East Asians uh, risking their lives to get to uh, Greece. And they were being all held in these horrible camps. She this anxious, depressed woman 
says, I got to go help them, and goes over to Greece and uh, lives among the Syrian, Syrian refugees in a camp. And when she returned, her friend said she was not in a good place. If you are filled with as much empathy as a woman like this has and you see that level of suffering and you are driven to help and yet you cannot do enough and then you come back to Trump's America, the despair. So even though as a judge who who had, she had argued cases before, even though she was able to make it possible for other people in despair to have that despair transformed into hope, like Amadou Lee, she couldn't do it for herself. And so she committed suicide. That's one, what Mr. Rogers would call a helper. That's one of the helpers who just couldn't anymore. Amy Nesselson. We have a caller. Caller, hello. Hi, Lynn. Um, first of all, on that obituary, um, it's, it's it's hard being a sensitive person. It's it's really hard in these times, you know, when you feel the pain and and how sad that it was just too much for her. That mm -hmm. there we lost a we lost a vital a vital part of um, you know people that are that do the do the good work that aren't the haters. No. That I, I call uh, what I call the haters. <clears throat> and then I I wanted to say while while I was calling in and I'm. Um, writing down because I will forget it instantly as well what I wanted to say um, first of all if you ever question your <laughs> efforts I have to say uh, 10 o'clock in the morning I'm I usually am scrambling to tune in to you it's I, I just we you just have um, you have a, a gift a service for so many people like myself I'm speaking for myself but I'm sure there's a lot of other people too that, you know, we um we you just click with us. You just hit hit the nail on the head, and I thank you. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Okay, thank you, thank you. Then uh, the other thing is yesterday. I think it was yesterday. You touched on, and again, my failing memory, the Constitutional Conference. Yeah. And. Are you kidding me? And the thing that the big of all the things that I just took my breath away is the fact the information, the information highway, and here goes the importance and the value of our free press yeah. is, oh, man, we have to, you know, we have to defend that because look at this. I had not heard of it. Um, uh, people that I had talked to yesterday had never heard of it. So I think when you get back, we might have to uh, focus on this because, hello, there's Lynn Collin in Little Pittsburgh is the only way I heard about it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, um, well, man, it was a, um, it was new to me too that the uh, Koch brothers and their their legions have been working very hard to sign up enough states to call for a constitutional uh, a constitutional convention, which has never happened. There, there again is the value of you, and I think that um, when you get back from from your mom's birthday. May I please suggest that we beat this? We got a hottie. Wow, because to me, that is so shocking that we need to. Um, I think that would be a, a big motivator for us lazy, loving liberals, us included, mm-hmm. sort of. Yeah. But well, it showed. I, I, yeah. I, I was just trying to show while we, you know. We elect a Barack Obama twice, and we think that's it. We did it. Aren't we wonderful? And uh, yeah, no. And the Republicans oh, just keep just keep doggedly working on very unsexy yeah. things, just all of which, one on one, little victories only they really care about, end up with Brett Kavanaugh tipping the Supreme Court probably in the next yeah. few months. And look what they got. They've got. Look what they've got. They'll own the entire government. And um, they, they have it. They have it. And and it's it's heartbreaking. Uh, there's another thing I wanted to share with you because I also have a failing memory. And what I've found works for my brain is when I lose a thought, or even if like I'm trying to remember what I said or something yeah. that happened yeah. a day or two ago. For some reason in my brain. If I can follow back in my mind the visual of it, like where I was standing when I said that uh-huh. in this discussion or yeah. making my point or whatever, if I can go phys- to the physical visual in my mind, like the, the, the visual of physically where I was standing, or like if you lose it in the midstream of a thought, if you can almost follow your thought, your eye patterns of what you were looking at, the garbage can. Well, what, I'm glad it works for you, but I can tell right now it ain't going to work for me. And anyway, whatever that was, it is so far gone now that, you know, if, it, yeah. it, if it's something I absolutely want to share, it'll pop back in someday and I'll share it. Mary, I got to jump off because, is it, it is Mary, right? Yes, it is. Hey, babe, one more thing. The, I, I stumbled on, I just sent it to you. I saw email. it. I, I do I see it. I see it, and uh, I am aware of this. I, I do know this story. You know these it's, yes, yes. I don't know these people. I know. Our age. I know I, of I them. I can't quit looking at them. People ending up living in our. Yeah, yeah. I do know. I saw in something cars. once. I, I, yeah, I, I know. But this is a group, and but when you look but, at them, they're thriving. Um, they have adapted, and this this is just one of the sites that I sent you, where it's oh, it's a networking, and it's one man. And from what I just saw with his story is he goes through a bad divorce, uh, loses his job or something like that, ends up living out of a van, and he starts a network sort of where he's networking and they help people, and the stories blow your mind. Well, this is, yeah. That's right. It's 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 people (laughs) in dire straits helping each other in very, it's very moving. Um, and it, it it shouldn't have to be got, got to run because I have another caller waiting. Sure, Th- thank hey, you, Mary. I love you, Lynn. Have a good thank you. visit with your mom. And thank family. you, thank you for your kind words. Bye, bye. bye. Okay, caller. Hello. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Good morning, Lynn. Hi. 
Hey, Lynn, how about a little bit of sun, how about a little bit of sunshine this morning? Oh, I'd love it. What do you got? You about, okay, I don't know if you talked about this at all. Uh, medical marijuana is in Pittsburgh. Have you discussed it at all? No, but I know it's here. It's great. What? It's it's, yep. it's, a, it's great for it's fine. Yeah, I'm a I'm a patient. Oh, it's so you're one of the ha- you're one of the happy few. Oh, exactly. That's why I said. I mean, I had the condition to get this card, but I say I don't want, I don't wish the condition on people. But to the same degree, this is like the greatest thing. It's like I won a lottery ticket, a gold ticket. You know, because <laughs> if you enjoy it, I mean, I'm not gonna you know. But so I how do you wait? Wait, wait. So are you, I mean, I know it comes in many, many different forms. I mean, are you actually given... Flour now. They just had flour last week. They have everything now. You can get flour. Everything, the tinctures, the oils. Tinctures, now, oils, an actual pot, it. like you can smoke it. Yes, yes. Um, you yeah, know, I, I was in... Take of this this morning. Oh, yeah, good. I was in California, um, you know, and, and they have recreational marijuana, Right. Uh, which is exactly. a step up. And um, I, right. I went to one of those places, and it was just mind-blowing. <laughs> it was, it it, it, was mind-blowing. I it, loved it. It's, it's, not, it's great. I mean, um, you know, I've been using, I mean, I've been smoking for about 40 years. But because um, you know what you're going to get is pure. It's all yes. grown in Pennsylvania yeah. for Pennsylvania people. Um, all top quality because it's all scientifically proven. Um, it's coming. It's it's going to come. And where do you so? It's did your was your actual regular ordinary doctor the one who prescribed it, or did you have no, to go? Okay, no. so what you have to do is you have to have a, you have to the way the the way the program works is because I was wondering I, it hit me one day what do I what do I need to get this card? Yeah, what what do you, you need? You have to have one of the twenty conditions. Like you have to have cancer. I have cancer. I had cancer in the past. That's one of the conditions that permits you to now. So what you have to do, you have to go through a, 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 like an intermediary facility. And all you have to do is have a diagnosis from your doctor that you have cancer. So I just had to bring a diagnosis in. Yes, Mike was treated for cancer. I bring it down into a place in Pittsburgh called Compassion or I can't remember now. Okay. Compassion. But there's some middle people. They check it and say, yes, Mike is. Well, first of all, I'm sorry, I should Say, you have to go to the state and say, I'm going to apply for a medical marijuana card to the state. And the state says, which, you know, why are you applying this wrong? You have cancer. Okay. Well, we want to make sure you're telling us the truth. You bring your diagnosis to one of the facilities that are intermediaries that we will allow okay. you to. So I get down to Pittsburgh. You give them $200. They verify that that's correct. They send the information off to the state and says, yes, Mike is a cancer patient. Send him his card. Then they say, "Well, first send us fifty dollars. You you send the state fifty dollars." Well, that's a not two. You're out two fifty now. Okay, I'm just I'm, I'm just that's adding it, it up. Then, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's it then. Now, now you're in the program. Now you're in the war. Um, the place, the first place that I went to, was over in Squirrel Hill. I know where it is. It's sort of like under yeah, uh, under so the parkway. Right? Yeah, it's under the bridge, like sort of. Right. And, um, right. It's nice. I mean, the first it they had nice. oils and tinctures, and I'm not familiar with that. Mm-hmm. But the tinctures and oils are nice. I mean, it's a nice. I like it. I think it helps people. Like I said, I'm not going to, you know, people can, I don't know how to debate the benefits of recreational marijuana, but I think it helps people. But I don't recommend it for everybody because certain people, it's not for them. Well, no, that's Same true. like alcohol. Like, is, one like the, alcohol. Is, is one of the conditions uh, uh, unbearable uh, 
Trump-related stress? Yes, that's 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 the number. No, two. it is that's not. Number that's number twenty-two. It's number no, but they don't have it yet on the list. But no, I'm joking with you. But I was, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's nice. So now there's a place down in the strip district. Yep. But yeah, the la- they said at first you had tinctures and whatever they said that you had to face those products. Actually, the way the law is supposed to be written right now, you're not allowed to smoke the marijuana from the flowers. You're supposed to vape it. In our in our Pennsylvania world. you know it's, Pennsylvania, again, you know they always complicate everything. Give me a break. Like, yeah. yeah, okay. A plant, they're making it, that into a complication. Yeah, well they, they can't smoke with a, with a, in a joint. But I mean, now who's gonna? Ugh. What? Not because because that looks like you know bad stuff. I don't know. This makes me crazy. I don't know. But I got to tell you. I thank you because I'm out of time. I want to thank you for for. Uh, at least letting us end on a high note. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. And it, and it, we, we, and last but not least, the money coming in is, is great. I think the place has been busy. They're, they're overwhelmed. It's, so what's <laughs> happening, and i got to go on a more positive note, I'm sure people are watching this. Okay, the money coming in. Okay, the money yeah. pouring into the facilities. Yeah. The state legislators looking at that. And saying, right. Hey guys, it's coming. What's happening? Right. Exactly. It's coming. It's coming. And there's already what we've been saying. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Thank you. Talk to you later. Enjoy. Bye now. Have a have a toke on me. So, wow. Anxiety. If they would anxiety, that needs to be on there because there's nothing better than pot. Uh, you know, just terminal kind of nausea about Trump. I got that too. All of that pot helps. I am not kidding you. So anyway, guys, I, I want to thank uh, the last caller for, yeah, it was getting a little uh, heavy. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, and I'll, I'll see you again on, on Monday, but um, I'm off to celebrate my, my mom's birthday, as, as you know. 96 and going strong. <laughs> well, what a lucky old lady I am to still have my mommy around. Guys, love you, and see you Monday. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.